Hello and welcome to another video podcast, Manna. I'm Pastor Jeff Glenn and it's my pleasure to take you through the Word each week. So we've been in Genesis and we're going to do Genesis chapter 12, part 2 today. But before we get to that, I've been feeling like I didn't quite address something or didn't quite give it justice uh, from Genesis 1. And not that it was wrong, but it just didn't give it the time that it was due. So I think we'll, we'll be able to finish that along with chapter 12 today and kind of clean that up. So we'll start out by pointing out what we've learned so far in regards to God's character and nature, and, and that'll include, uh, we'll kind of sweep into that, that chapter one. And we see so far in Genesis, we see that God is a God who is a creator, which is obvious, I mean, Genesis is about beginnings and about creation. And so we've covered that pretty well at the beginning of our of our study. The second thing that we see, and this is the thing that wasn't quite covered in, in the depth that it needed to be, is that God is Redeemer. And we, we see that all the way from the beginning when, when God in his creation, we see that the state of that was from the very first here it says, without form and void here in Genesis 1-2. And so God takes that, that formless, void, dark place and, and he redeems it. So, so we need to see this, this meta-narrative that, that the redemption that is at the heart of God's story for us. It's one of the, one of the meta-narratives, so the big storylines that goes through the whole Bible. So we'll see God's redemption in everything. But, we need, but I feel like we needed to state that more emphatically now that we're going through that because we see that you know even in 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 and his in his spot even in an in inhospitable landscape um god's presence is there right in this genesis 1 2 it says and the spirit of the lord was hovering over the face of the water so so formless and void but there we have the spirit of the lord and De david echoed this same truth in psalm 139 7 through 12, when he said, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And it goes on. This is David's acknowledgement that, that the Lord is everywhere. And so we know that the Lord is everywhere, even in the... In the um, the voids and the darkness. He's, he's ever present, which is that other thing that we see about the God of Genesis, is that he's, he's the God who's everywhere. And so, you know, the world is dark and scary, but he's there. He's at work at, at his redeeming work. And so this redemption narrative continues throughout Scripture. Um, the next thing that we see is the God of Genesis is a promise keeper. And we see that at work in these last couple of chapters, and we'll see it at the, at the end of chapter 12, is his promise in Genesis chapter 3, 15, to put enmity between the serpent and Eve and to, to bring about the one who would bruise the serpent's head. Other translations for that word bruise 
read strike or crush, but behind that word is the meaning in, in, the, in the ancient language. It's the idea of lying in wait to, to cap to, um, for somebody's head. You're, you're, you're lying in wait to, to, to do them in. And so Israel is, is wait, Israel, we'll see, comes to wait for this and look for the one who would do this. We on this side of the cross know that that is, person is Jesus. But as we work our way through Genesis, we're, we're seeing God fulfill his promise in this. We also see God as a God who blesses. God blessed every living creature from the beginning. He blessed Adam and Eve, and he blessed Noah and his sons, and he blessed Abram and Abram's offspring. And this is the chapter that we're coming into right now. And so this word blessing means to confer fullness of life. So it's a life-giving, it's, it's speaking life into someone by our Almighty God. Um, which brings us to a God of grace. We see that in that Genesis here. So, so yes, God did punish Adam and Eve, and he cursed the ground for their sin, and he did flood the earth, but, but not be, because he thought he was getting rid of the old and bringing in the better. He wasn't getting a better human by flooding the earth. No, um, all along, God's justice was guided by his mercy and providence uh, to make good on his promise to once and all to once and for all deal with, with the serpent and the sin issue. And so um, God continues to provide redemption for his creation in spite of their, in spite of our failures. Um, he judged rightly after the flood, we remember, when he said that the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth. So this goes to that point of some would say that, that God flushed out the old to bring in the better, but that isn't the case. God knew from, from the from the moment that man's heart is, is evil. So he's working um, to fulfill his purposes based on his character and his nature, not ours. And so we see in the remainder of chapter 12, this is when Abram is traveled and camped at Shechem. He builds an altar there. Um, this is where A Abram receives like the specific boundaries for the land that would be given to him and his descendants. And we see uh, where Abram would, would make this inexplicable um, journey through that promised land into Egypt. And the, the, the text here tells us that, that it was probably the famine that continued to drive Abram down. And, but we also see that Egypt was not good for Abram. Um, it certainly wasn't good for his credibility or his marriage. As, as God passed out of the providence of, as Abram passed out of the providence of God into Egypt, we see that, that it, you know, Abraham became fearful of what might be done to him um, by Pharaoh because he's passing from God's sovereignty into Pharaoh's sovereignty. And now he's worried about what Pharaoh's going to do to him. Like, would they kill him and take his wife, Sarah, from him? Um, and so it was this kind of unknown and that was bearing down upon Abram and, you know, acting in the unknown can lead um, to, to danger, which is what Abram experienced here. So this is where we see compromise become um, a foothold in our lives. It certainly did for Abram. He was worried about what the outside world, what the sovereign ruler of the 
world at that time would do to him. And so it led him to a place of compromise. And it led him out of a place of God's providence into sovereign territory of another. And so um, under God's blessing and, and providence, Abraham only had to concern himself with, with obeying God, listening to God, and God would provide. But now he's in Egypt, and Abram's focus turns from God to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh, and he became concerned with, play, uh, with placating them and appeasing them. And so he looked to Egypt for comfort and safety. And, you know, we know that you cannot serve two masters. And so with this divided um, outlook, Abram's heart turned to, to, to Pharaoh. And so the point is, is, it doesn't take long after leaving God's providence and looking to the world for your provision that compromise comes. And so Abraham, we see that he concocted this lie. He told Sarai, his wife, tell them that, I, that you are my sister. That way they won't come and kill me. And so we see Sarai um, in her um, credit um, honored Abram and didn't expose the lie. However, this was also compromise on Sarai's part. She gave in and perpetuated the lie and she was led into Pharaoh's house, uh, separated from Abram. And so the rest of the story is pretty cringeworthy if you've read through it like we, like we um, are before we go through this. We see a secular person in scripture who's acting more honest and more honorably than someone who God is called to follow him. So Pharaoh was troubled by God. He was plagued, as the scripture said in his mind, and he received revelation that Sarai was Abram's wife. And so his reaction was noble. He was like, ooh, dude, how come you told me that this was your, your sister? I almost took your wife for my wife. Like, ooh. And so he sends him on his way. So anything that would have seemed like it was worthy of death, it would have been that, right, this lie, but rather God shows his providence and his mercy for Abram by having Pharaoh just send him on his way. The text also says, incidentally, but not so later on, that there was a dowry that was given, a very hefty dowry of animals and gold and silver that he was allowed to take with him. And so um, even in the compromise, God provided for Abram. He redeemed Abram from his um, for, from death when it seemed that that's what he deserved, and so I want that to be encouraging for you today, as it was for me. That that you might have blown it and you might have messed up, but maybe it's big time, right? But it, while it's not necessarily a license to sin, I'm not saying go ahead and just do whatever you want because God's going to cover it. He's going to redeem that, um, but. God is in the redemption business. And so I hope that's encouraging for you today. And until we see each other next week, stay in the word and stay encouraged.